Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome to the 100th episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris. Sadly, Uriah is not going to be able to be with us today, but we have our mentor and boss, not formally and currently, Josh Wilson. NBA director of Fan Sighted. Josh, we are so happy that you were able to come on for this 100th episode. Thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Congrats on 100 episodes. That's that's no small feat. I know um, we've talked about getting me on here for a while, and I've been a little bit of a, a rough guy to schedule. So I appreciate you guys uh, doing the due diligence to you know get me on here. Yeah, Josh, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, for those who don't know, Josh was site expert before me and a little bit before Lucas as well. Um, I joined the site like over five years ago, I think. I was still in high school at the time. Josh did great things there, really helped me out. And uh, yeah, we're really excited to have you on, Josh. Same same for me, Josh. You were great. You and Brett were both great mentors. They were the site experts before me and Chris. And Josh, you know, really put us in a position to be able to run the site efficiently. And he's still, you know, making sure that we're doing things the proper way. And uh, just couldn't ask for a better uh, mentor. And like I said, you know, like Chris said, you were here first. And then you you just you were so good at your job that you decided to pluck you up and make you the director for the whole entire MBA portion of Fansighted. So we're very excited to have you on. And we were glad that we were able to, you know, get some time with you here tonight. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, a really, you know, like you guys both said, I, I've worked with you both for quite a long time and really, you know, talked, even just chatted Sixers with you guys both for a really long time. And thinking back to, you know, I think when I worked with both of you, I mean, the Sixers were pretty much terrible. Um, so it's been fun to kind of go on the, the process journey, uh, good or bad, with people like you guys uh you know throughout the years um throughout my different roles but i i really enjoyed you know the role you guys are in now as site experts of the site just leading that daily conversation and um i'm glad to hear i I had a part in your journey hopefully a positive part but i you know both of you guys have so many great thoughts and opinions on the team and uh you know if i did anything it was really always just kind of cultivating what was what was already there for you guys and it it's always been a joy to have have even a small part to do with that for sure for sure and we're recording this right after the nba draft lottery was uh, chosen pistons got the first overall pick first time that they got it since they drafted bill lambeer we're gonna move on though we're going to talk about Ben Simmons. I think somewhat fittingly, my first article for the site um, under Josh was the draft grades when when Simmons was picked for the team. <laughs> so we're really 
We're coming full circle, full circle tonight. <laughs> yeah. So the Ben Simmons discourse is not in as quite a, as peachy of a place as it was back then. Um, obviously, the Sixers lost in seven to the Atlanta Hawks in the second round of the NBA playoffs. Ben Simmons, zero shot attempts in the fourth quarter for the series, shot 34% from the free throw line, really seemed to crumble under the pressure in a way we haven't seen up to this point. Uh, Josh, you're on Twitter. I think you're probably well aware of how people are talking about Ben Simmons right now. It's not really a <laughs> a kind environment. <laughs> um, so we'll just start off with this, Josh. Do you think fans would accept Ben Simmons being back with the team next season? Uh, I, I guess it would depend on your definition of accept. Um, I, you know, I think no, ultimately. I think fans are at this point pretty pretty much done with him i've seen obviously a lot of comparisons to, to carson wentz and it reminds you a lot of that situation with the eagles um you know i think at this point he's kind of shown who he is in the context of this team um i, I really philly fans are some of the most opinionated uh boldest and loudest fans in the country um it's you know disappointing as much as the Sixers did in this playoffs. Um, I mean, even going to seven games against the Hawks is a massive disappointment. The Sixers are a much better team than the Hawks, and a lot of that rests obviously on on Ben Simmons' shoulders, especially down the stretch in that final game, and, and really down the stretch in a bunch of the crucial games throughout that series and throughout the postseason. Uh, so I, I mean it would take a lot for him to bounce back from that. And it, he, he's really going to start, you know, 10 paces back if he is on the Sixers next year in, in terms of fan acceptance. The short answer is no, no, I don't think so. I'm, I mean, I would love to be able to trade Ben Simmons and we'll talk more about this later, but I just, um, I'm not sure if they can for equal value, but that being said, if they don't, and it sounds like they don't want to, I mean, at least that's what they're saying right now. You know, doc is going to work with him this off season, no more shooting with his brother, Liam. We know that that was a thing for many off seasons. Maybe he'll go to Joel and beat shot. Dr. Drew Hanlon. Hanlon is a master at fixing people's shots. The only person that he didn't really fix his holds. <laughs> to be yeah, fair, I don't to- know if Sixer fans would be too excited by that proposition. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Fultz was injured. We we know that he was injured. Now it was all an injury. It wasn't it wasn't Hanlon's fault that he couldn't fix that. But what he's what Hanlon has done with Embiid, that's that's phenomenal. And not just Embiid, he's done it with other superstars like Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum. I mean, if you guys can think of another one, let me know. But I mean, he he's a great shot doctor. You know, and I'm sure Doc Rivers will get him in the gym, but. At the end of the day, I think one of the things that the fans, it will help Ben Simmons is for him not to be the point guard. I think it's clear that he can't be an NBA point guard how he plays now, and until he can prove otherwise, it's not going to happen. So they need to change his position if he stays on the team, and he's going to have to come out with a new mindset, a new way of playing. He he needs he needs to go see a sports psychologist. like. Kevin Love, DeMar DeRozan, those guys all want to go see it. It's no shame to go see it, and I think it's very clear that he needs to see one. But I guess that kind of leads into your next question, right, Chris? Yeah, well, a few notes on Simmons first. I I agree, Lucas. I'm not sure what they can trade him for at this point. I think 
There are a number of teams who should be interested in trading for Ben. I think he's still a fantastic player, and hopefully once we're not so much prisoners of the moment, people can kind of be a little bit more level-headed in how they analyze these things because right now I have a tough time seeing the Sixers getting equal value back. Um, You know, C.J. McCollum has been a pretty common name in the rumor mill, He's not as good as Ben Simmons. Uh, that's a downgrade talent-wise. I understand that the fit's better and that I, I would even consider that. I, I realize that Ben has kind of reached the end of the road. But I, I do think there's a good chance that Daryl Morey will wait for better offers, maybe let him recoup some value next season. He's probably going to be an all-star again. He, he's a perennial all-star talent. So I do think there's a chance that he kind of sticks around. We're going to get to that in a little bit more depth here in a second. But yes, Lucas, we are going to talk about Ben's persona and kind of his attitude. Um, We've seen quotes from guys like Stephen A. Smith recently saying that Ben is babied, that he's always surrounded by family, that he doesn't really want to change, doesn't want to grow. We, I think, all saw that Fox Sports piece in which some pretty damning information was kind of laid out against Ben. Um, Among it, that he just clearly doesn't seem to think that his three-point shot is very important and that improving his game in that way is not um, essential. We've had that debate on this podcast plenty of times. But, Josh, do you think Ben's persona is a problem? And do you have any faith that he can improve his game and, and grow as a player at this point? I do think that it it seems to be a bit of a problem. Um, I, I try not to, you know, stake claims like that most of the time, but there's been enough reported at this point that I think, you know, that Fox sports piece obviously is one that's sticking out in the front of my mind right now. Um, it, it, to me, if you look back at kind of Ben's history since coming really to America as a teenager, he's kind of always gotten his way. Um, this is hearsay, but I remember I met somebody who I went to college with that went to Montverde Academy with him in high school. And, um, you know, this person may have had a clouded view of Ben Simmons, but said that he pretty much got what he want at Montverde because he's, you know, a star basketball player. Um, and the same thing at LSU. Uh, it's pretty well known that he didn't really go to class at LSU because he was simply there just to put in his dues and do his one year, get LSU to the NIT tournament and, you know, move on to the NBA. So I think he really has kind of gotten everything he's wanted pretty, you know, not necessarily easily. He's obviously had to work hard to, to prove his skill set. but I think that all kind of goes into maybe his ego and his persona and, uh, you know, maybe that needs to be checked a little bit for sure. And maybe it was checked in this postseason and he will change. But, you know, I, I it's been long enough for me that I, I don't really see a change that drastic happening. Definitely not in between now and the start of next season. Personality wise, like I said, he needs to go see a sports psychologist. I think that's just something that he needs to address uh, on his own time with a sports psychologist. I just don't see any way of that changing unless he gets that type of help. And, you know, I wish him nothing for of the best in that regard. In terms of his skills, I saw an interesting quote, and I don't know who made the quote, but I saw it on Twitter. And it was a quote from Bill O'Brien in the front office. And it was basically saying, 
can anybody tell me where Ben Simmons has gotten better? And the whole entire room felt quiet, according to the quote. Now, obviously, we can all say, well, he's gotten better defensively. True. But offensively, no, nah, nah, it hasn't happened. And we, and, you know, yeah, Chris, you guys brought it up on the last podcast. There's that video of him in similarly taking jump shots, you know, near the three-point line, in rhythm, hitting them. And now he's can't even, he, he looks, his knees are, like, clanking against each other at the foul line in game seven. Like, it just can't happen. And I don't know what's, you know, persona-wise, I mean, maybe this is a reality check. You know, some things are coming to light now. Maybe maybe this is what he needed. But if if it's not, then, you know, if he can't, well, then they'll just trade him. It'll have to be, you know, two quarters on the dollar, which isn't fair to the Sixers. But, I mean, at this point, I mean, if he can't change that persona and he can't change, you know, because we've seen him in offseason practices, you know, hitting three-pointers or hitting, you know, pull-up jumpers in pickup games. But it just hasn't translated onto the court. And I think between him and Markel, I honestly think he has the yips more than Markel did. I think Markel was injured. Markel was injured. It's as simple as that. Ben, no. He, it's, all of his is 100% mental. So maybe the you know, change in you know, mentality will also change that persona. But we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I mean, with Ben, it's... Interesting because I do agree with you, Josh. At this point, there's been so much reporting on the issue that it does seem like maybe an ego check is necessary. It's it's clear that he probably hasn't been working in the ways that he needs to to expand his game and to actually implement it on the court. But at the same time, I don't. It's not an effort issue. It's not like he's lax on the court and he's not trying hard. He's probably one of the most energetic defenders on the planet. That's not something we would typically associate with like a pampered number one overall pick who doesn't work as hard as we think he should. So I, I don't think it's an effort thing. I, I think he clearly wants to get better too. I, I don't think it's for lack of wanting to. We read that Ramona Shelburne report um, a couple seasons ago now where he talked about needing to be held accountable and struggles in that department. Um, so it, it's really a tough. Yeah. yeah that, that was. Well, not Ramona Shelburne. Sorry for that. And let me let me ask you this real quick before you continue. Do you think it's a prioritization of what's important to him versus uh, effort? Um, maybe. I mean, I think part of it is that he just doesn't view his jump shot as, as that important as a priority. I think that's definitely part of it. I think another, as far as the free throw things go in his fourth quarter struggles, what actually tanked the Sixers is is not the fact that he won't shoot a three or a pull-up mid-range contested jumper, which frankly he shouldn't be taking really. It's the fact that he was so scared to attack the basket because he didn't want to get fouled. I think the free throw line and his general fear of that area of the court is a much bigger problem than like his jumper. Uh, If he was aggressively attacking the rim and getting dribble penetration, putting pressure on the basket, they beat the Hawks. I mean, it's that simple. If he, he just played downhill and played his game, like he did in the third quarter of game three that we all remember, they won the series. He he, was, he was fantastic in that quarter against the Hawks. That was the best ball we've maybe seen him play all year. And he turns around the next four games and just disappears. 
it, it's a very strange thing with Ben. He's always been kind of hard to predict in that way. Um, I, I really don't know what the specific issues are, but it, it's clear that something's got to change because there really are no more excuses. You're right, Josh. They shouldn't have lost this series. They're a better team than Atlanta. And, you know, if anything's going to light a fire underneath them and, you know, kind of rattle him in a way that forces him to change, I feel like it's got to be this. Like, if he shows up next season and he's not doing anything differently, nothing has changed as far as his approach, I mean, I think that's pretty much, you know, the fat lady's singing at that point. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens. But, Josh, what what are the odds, do you think? Like, give a percentage that Ben gets traded this offseason. It's definitely a tough one, but I, the first number that comes to mind is like 20%. Um, I think Maury is going to, you know, listen to any offers that are out there and maybe even try to pitch some offers of his own. But ultimately, I think he's a smart guy that understands value and understands kind of the art of making a, a deal in the NBA. And, you know, I think he's probably not going to find what he's looking for, especially knowing, at least based on what he says, uh, how highly he thinks of the, the good parts of Ben's game. And so, you know, I think the deals that he's going to see, especially this offseason, are not going to match what he's looking for. Um, I would, you know, and this is going beyond percentage of a trade this offseason, obviously, but I would think it's more likely that he starts next year and and they boost his trade value a little bit with some stat padded triple doubles maybe or something like that uh and maybe a move at the deadline or or, or something along those lines um uh, but also you know it, it's good to keep in mind that like trading isn't necessarily the only solution out of this um they could try to alter Ben's role a little bit um maybe if he moves into more of a a forward type position rather than a point forward type position he's a little bit more impactful and maybe he fits a little bit better with this team with a stronger you know a shooting facilitator um but in terms of trade of this offseason you know, i i think it's pretty unlikely i'd say 20 percent. i'll say i'll give it a good 40 60 unlikely i think it's more unlikely that it gets traded but i mean i'm not gonna i, I don't think it's that low i think if the right Deal comes along, maybe some, like Zach Levine plus sweeteners, you know, maybe a young prospect or a pick, you know, then maybe the Sixers listen. But I mean, at this point, and I don't even know if Zach Levine's fair value, but I mean, at this point, it is kind of, you know, and I do, I, I'm very high on Max, so I'm not gonna like lowball Maxi here. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's forty sixty. Uh, it's more unlikely that it happens, but I think forty sixty would be a fair assumption. But Josh, I do agree with you. It's probably more likely that they try to, uh, re, you know, uh, elevate his uh, his trade value during the regular season starting next year, and see where it goes from there. Though I do, I am a con- I am concerned that if they don't do it this off season, his value, if and if he doesn't come in any better than what he was last year, then his value will decrease. And it could end up being, I'm not going to say the extreme of like what happened to Julio Okafor, because that's extreme. Like he's not going to be traded for like second round picks, but the devaluation of Okafor happened so drastically. And it could happen to Ben, maybe not on that scale, but you guys get what I'm saying here. 
where you might not be able to get any type of you might not even be able to get an all-star level player for him if if his value keeps on decreasing so i mean there you run a risk there i don't think that will happen but i think the risk gets there i mean can can you even get like are the bulls even trading zach levine for ben simmons this offseason though i like i know that's been possible. i just can't even see that it'd probably have to be ben in sweeteners as opposed to the other way around i feel like because because Zach came to mind, honestly, Lucas, when you were talking about Drew Hanlon, Zach is another Drew Hanlon guy, and you look like he almost had a, a 50-40-90 season this year. He shot 50% from the field, 41.9% from three, and 84.9% from the free throw line. He's up to scoring every year. Like, I, if I'm the Bulls, I see no reason to, you know, take a gamble on picking up kind of the, the postseason woes of Ben Simmons and, and giving up Zach for that. Plus, Zach Levine says he wants out and he wants to go to Tushik. Uh, sure, to yeah. I mean, I think that's a whole different story. But I, I I just don't think those deals that put that up to the 40 to 60% range for you, I don't even know if those are going to be there this summer. No, I don't know if CJ is – I don't think CJ is the answer. I think you would need more. I don't – and I don't like what uh, – I don't think Portland – Portland doesn't have their pick. I'm pretty sure they don't have their pick this year. And I don't like the rest of the players on Portland. I don't think any of them really fit what the yeah. Sixers need. To upgrade. Well, and and if you're the Sixers, like I, I mean, picks are nice, obviously, and they might have to come in, but like that is the picks are just not what Philly needs right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, I thought about it. I thought about. It. I was like, well, what if you do? What if like OKC gets a top three pick, and then you could do like Temple Walker plus that pick plus maybe another future pick or like a nice young player for Ben. And I was like, but that doesn't really help right now. Joel's window is maybe two to four years max right now. So unless you get like a bona fide, like Kate Cunningham, like it's, it doesn't really matter at this point with picks, which is a shame, but I mean, you really got, I think the logic there would be that you try to flip those picks for another win now piece. Um, Mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, I agree, Josh. I don't think the Bulls are going to trade Zach Levine. I don't think the Wizards would be particularly interested in trading Bradley Beal at this point. I know that's something fans have talked about forever. Especially not a couple of seasons ago, we were, like, talking about Devin Booker. Ben's value has dropped way off at this point. If, if Kimball Walker and Picks is what you're getting on the trade market, if that's, like, the max level of what you're getting, you're probably going to have to consider just – saying no we're gonna keep Ben around until something better comes along. Uh, I think that's what end up and that's why I think they changed their tune so quickly on Ben because you know that night Doc Rivers was like, I don't know and then you next day you hear reports about saying, Oh, we're gonna get him in the gym, we're gonna get him right. I'm pretty sure Maury already made those calls that night and it was like, No, we can't get anything good for him right now. So we just gotta try to make him better. So we don't I don't know. But Chris, what what are your thoughts on it, man? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think somewhere in the 20 to 40 range that you guys put it is, is pretty fair. I think the odds of him staying are a lot higher than a lot of Sixer fans would like to admit, just for the reasons that we've said. They're probably not going to get fair value. Um, again, like, smart teams should be trying to lowball Daryl Morey. Like, see if the Sixers bite. Ben Simmons is still a tremendous player. He finished second in Defensive Player of the Year voting. He's pretty much a perennial all-star candidate at this point, and he's 24, 25 years old. 
there's a lot of value in that. Even if he doesn't get better, he's still really good right now. So teams should probably be putting together trade packages. If I was Portland, I'd trade CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons in a heartbeat and put him next to Dame. I think that's a great fit. But as far as Maury goes, you mentioned Josh that he's he's a smart dude. He knows what he's doing. He's not going to sell Ben just because the fan base is angry. He's he's too smart and calculated of a general manager to do that. So I, I, I don't think it's it's exceedingly likely that Ben gets shipped out this summer, just because I don't think the trade offers are going to be where they need to be. Let me ask you this, and I, I don't think it's on our agenda, so I'm going to go ahead and ask it real quick. Josh, what would be your ideal destination for Ben, and what would the package be in return off the top of your head? <laughs> um, I'm so bad at these. I hate fake trades. Uh, <laughs> I know, but I had to ask. Ideal destination for Ben, you're asking, not not for Philly, right? Best deal that you think that could make both sides satisfied? Honestly, I, I mean, maybe because he just brought it up, but Chris's thought on Portland and, you know, the one that's been tossed out really with centered on CJ McCollum, I think that's probably the most balanced deal out there for a, you know, a star level player that I, that I could see actually happening this off season. Well, let me ask you guys this. Does CJ get us out of the second round? I think it depends on other moves you make. Like, like can the Sixers get a Lowry or something this summer? I don't think CJ alone would get them out of the second round. What what guy I would probably low key pursue if I could without having to pay too much or without having to give up too much. Lonzo ball. I like Lonzo Ball, how he's developed. He can be a he can play off the ball. He can he's a great dynamic passer, great defender, restricted free agent. Maybe you can work out a sign and trade with the Pelicans. I like Yeah, that's that's actually not uh the worst thought because like you said, I mean he's obviously not as good a defender as Ben, but the big thing I think with a lot of the targets that are tossed out is they're usually really good offensive players, but you lose a ton of defense in that whole equation, sending Ben out for a lot of those people. Lonzo, you you definitely probably lose a little bit in terms of some of the offensive abilities, but I mean, I guess not even because Lonzo's really come a long way there too. Um, But you you still have some, some defensive capabilities there for sure. You just lose versatility on defense and offensively. I mean, he was shooting what 38% on seven attempts per game this year, some somewhere around there. So, I mean, I'm not saying that I would trade Ben for Lonzo, but if you can, you know, if you can get Lonzo, I think that's a major upgrade. And I think then you can play Ben at the four and it'd be okay. That's, yeah. Well, I mean, I think Lonzo is going to make too much money and probably be worth too much to get him without giving up Ben. And I, I wouldn't give up Ben. Here, here's an idea. Here's an idea. Crazy idea. Three-team deal. Sign and trade. Lonzo comes to the Sixers. Toby goes to OKC. You know, we have the package of first-round pick because, you know, they're first-round pick crazy. But that could work. Yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting. I, that's interesting. I'm, I'm not all that interested in giving up Tobias Harris, honestly. I, I, I wouldn't, you know, hold on to him for, for everything. But I, I, I really liked this past season for him. 
I mean, he, for the most part in the playoffs, he was pretty good. He had maybe, what, two or maybe three bad games. But, I mean, he really stepped up these playoffs. I was impressed by him. Great season. Could have been, should have been an all-star. Um, well, I think the upside there would be that Lonzo's probably a much easier contract to, to trade again and upgrade on than Tobias is. Yeah, for sure. So if you're trading Tobias, it's really to get rid of the contract. So I, I think that would be the upside there. I don't know. That's just an idea. I'm probably going to end up writing about it now because, you know, we talked about it. So it's probably end up going to happen on an article. But um, no, that was just like I said, I like Lonzo Ball's fit on this team because he can play on and off the ball. He can he can play. He can share ball handling duties with Ben. Him and Zion had some good chemistry and Ben's, you know, better passer than Zion and better defender. Granted, he can't shoot, but hopefully that will get, you know, somewhat remedy this offseason. But, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't mind Lonzo. I mean, I wouldn't give up Ben for Lonzo, but, I mean, if we can get Ben with Lonzo, I, I think that could help some things. But um, I don't know. We'll see. But I think it's time for us to sh- shift gears again. And I think uh, let's talk about some lessons that can be learned from game seven in the Hawks series. So aside from Ben, Josh, what were some big takeaways from the loss to Atlanta for you? Uh, so this isn't Sixers related. I know we're on a Sixers podcast, but really the, the thing I was thinking that whole night, uh, aside from all the, obviously the Ben Simmons stuff um, was coaching really matters. Uh, and really the thing that was coming up to me most was the Pacers and I think they are more of a disaster organization than a lot of people point them out to be because they completely ruined, uh, you know, Nate McMillan basically looked like a a bad coach and was really said to be a bad coach on that team toward the end of his run there. Uh, But the more I look at that organization, the more I think they're just really poorly managed. Um, they, They bring in Nate Bjorken this year and, you know, he is terrible, has a lot of the same issues that Nate McMillan had there. And then we look in Atlanta and Nate McMillan as an interim coach completely changes a, a team's fortunes and, you know, pushes them as underdogs to the Eastern Conference finals. And then on the other side, you know, to relate it to the Sixers, I think Doc made, you know, some some really questionable coaching decisions. So I think for me that that's one of the big things I was thinking really all, all postseason is just how much coaching matters, uh, especially in these these seven game series where strategy and small adjustments make a ton of difference. Yeah, I, I agree, Josh. I think one of my big takeaways is that Doc probably isn't the best person to lead this team. Um, they're not going to fire him. I think every statement that was made by Daryl Morey and the team before that in in these past couple of days of exit interviews has, has made it pretty clear that Doc's going to be around some more. Um, and they were never going to consider firing him. He's signed to a giant contract as far as coaching contracts go, and he's Doc Rivers. So one playoff exit was never going to, you know, make them kick him out. But I definitely think Doc has some explaining to do as far as his personnel choices go, and he needs to improve that next season if the Sixers really want to take that next leap, especially if they can't add more star power around Joel. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think uh, – Another big takeaway is that they just need better pieces all around. I don't think really any aspect of this team outside of Joel was championship caliber. The bench was pretty awful. Even the three guys, the, the 
two most reliable bench pieces were Matisse Thibel, who's a second-year wing that can't shoot or dribble, and Tyrese Maxey, who's a rookie. So that's pretty problematic. That's that's not going to fly, especially when you have to move one of those bench pieces into the starting five because Danny Green gets hurt. So the depth needs to get better. We've been saying that forever. Um, that's been like a pretty consistent issue ever since Joel got on board, but the depth is a problem. I, I, I don't think Tobias is still, again, It's he was wonderful this season. Some think he should have been an all-star. I think there's an argument for it. But having $36 million in cap space tied up in him as opposed to either two like $18 million contracts or whatever, like, like it's just a bad use of resources. That's still going to bite them pretty consistently for as long as he's here. I, I, I just don't think he's the ideal number three, especially with Ben and Joel. So uh, they, they have a lot of problems to solve this offseason. So I'll be really interested to see what Joel can pull out of the hat. You guys make some really good points. Um, I will go, I will disagree with you, Chris, that Joel wasn't the only uh, championship level player on that team. Seth Curry definitely was playing at a championship level. Um, he was lighting it up. He was looking more and more like his brother. And I wish we could have gotten that Seth Curry all season long. Obviously, COVID and injuries kind of pampered him. But hopefully we see that Seth Curry next year. Maybe he can get close to, you know, 18, 20 points per game. You know, my dream. But um, outside of Seth, I will say that another thing that really kind of stuck out to me, and this isn't Sixers related, Kevin Herter is one of the most unappreciated role players in the NBA. This guy can defend. He hits some timely shots. He can shoot. Like, Kevin Herter, he's going to be one of those guys when his rookie deals up, he's going to get a massive extension, and we're going to be like, oh, why did he do that? And then, then you watch him play on a regular basis on a big stage. Oh, my gosh, Kevin Herter. Uh, Six has had more guy like another guy like him on the roster, along with, like, Danny Green. You know, that would change the portions of the team altogether. altogether. Um, outside of that, I mean, I do like Maxi, and I've said this once, and I'll say this again. I think he's proved not only in this Hawks series, but the Wizards series as well, that he is capable of being the starting point guard for this team moving forward. Is he the best option available? No, because obviously you've got Kyle Lowry, Lonzo Ball, you know, those type of guys are out there. But I like him as a potential, you know, starting point guard. I think he can be an all-star in the next five years. You know, I, I think he has that type of potential. So that's that's my thoughts on that. But, Josh, let me ask you this now. Can Embiid win at the highest level without a star point guard slash creator on the perimeter with him? Uh, no. I think that's, that's probably an, an integral need to pretty much any – basketball team it's no knock on Embiid I think that position is really hard to win from um, as you know one player he's obviously the most dominant big man in the game today Um, and I think he could win a lot in the regular season without that but when it comes to the postseason I think he would need you know pretty much a star point guard with him to to do it so on the highest level no I don't think so yeah, I, I agree, Josh. Um, I, I forget who I saw use the term, but the Sixers really just need like a table setter, a guy who can kind of just, just slow things down and make things happen in the half court, especially late in games 
We saw it down the stretch of Game 7 when Ben is just, you know, pulling a disappearing act in the dunker spot. You, you don't really want to go to Tobias to create off the dribble. He's not super reliable in that spot. Guys like Seth Curry, Furkan Korkmaz, Tyrese Maxey, Shake Milton, whoever, are not guys you want really running the offense down the stretch. Um, Joel is great. As you said, Josh, he has improved in so many ways as far as just creating his own shot and taking what the defense gives him. But down the stretch of games, they need a, another star perimeter creator who can, A, just dribble the ball reliably, and B, get guys into sets, slow things down, just calm down the, the kind of frantic nature that we saw the Sixers fall into at times late in games. J- just make things happen, either as a facilitator or as a guy who can get his own shot when things break down. They, they need that guy. They need someone to shoulder that burden with Joel. And until they get it, they don't have it clearly in Ben Simmons. And, and until they get a player like that, whether it is Kyle Lowry, who I think would have really helped in this particular series, I think we're underrating. Some people are underrating the fact that they probably won the series with Kyle Lowry. Like, I, I think it's pretty clear that he would Agreed. have made a difference. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, until they get that kind of player, I, I struggle to see them as currently constructed doing much more than the second round. Because <laughs> it, it's not going to get any easier than it was this year. The Hawks are, are a good team, but they're not great. I, I agree with you guys. You know, Kobe, I mean, Shaq had Kobe. Wilt had Jerry West. Uh, Kareem had Oscar, and then he had Magic. I mean, Hakeem, I think Hakeem was probably the only guy, that big man, that won without, like, a dynamic point guard. And then, even then, he had who? Uh the Jet and uh, Sam Cassell, right? So, I mean, not not no scrubs. Um, I think Cassell was coming off the bench, but still. Um, so you look at dominant big men. I mean, even uh, Bill Russell had Bob Cousy. So, I mean, and Moses Malone, he had uh, Julius Irving. Like, everybody had, every dominant big man that won a championship had a, you know, perimeter sidekick. And like you guys said, Ben and... Tobias isn't that. I think I don't know. I don't know if Maxi can get to that level of stardom. I think he could be an all-star, but it won't be for a couple of years. I think you're right, Chris, that Kyle Lowry, if he was in this series, that they would have won this probably in five games. Um, but he's not. And, you know, we don't know what was the tipping point for that that trade not happening. I think Masai was obviously over asking for what he wanted for Lowry. Um, Maybe the Sixers look back in hindsight and may say, gosh, wish we would have gotten Lowry because path to the finals is so much easier now. You know, Lakers aren't in. Uh, the Clippers are looking to be in trouble. I mean, it's the Suns. I, I, you know, I suspect the Suns will come out of the West. And then the East, I mean, the Bucks. yeah, that's a hard challenge, but I don't think it's an impossible one for the Sixers to beat now that the unhealthy Nets are out. So, you know, who knows? But, I mean, that's... I think, yeah, I think we all are in agreement that they need a star level, you know, point guard or, you know, perimeter player. Maybe like Jason Tatum, like I told you guys back before the draft. Sorry, had to put that shot in. Yeah, so we're going to talk now about Daryl Morey. Obviously, um, you know, he had his exit interview today, Tuesday. Um, most of the time, you can't really take much away from exit interviews. They're It's media speak. These guys aren't going to, like, lay out all their cards for bloggers and, and reporters. It's just not how it works. Um, 
But still, there were some pretty interesting quotes that kind of set the stage for a series of debates and conversations that we can have. Um, we, we sort of already answered this first question. I had, do the Sixers, as currently built, have a championship core? Maury, on, on the Sixers' loss to the Hawks, said, frankly, if we're just squeaking by the second round, we aren't good enough to win the title. We have to get better. You know, that series is still incredibly painful. So, Josh, do you think right now the Sixers have a championship core where if they just tweak a few elements, they can take it to another level? Or do you think, like, massive foundational change is necessary? I think mass, massive foundational change is, is definitely necessary. I alluded to a while ago while we were talking, you know, maybe you can kind of shift Ben Simmons' role, but it's not really that simple, especially with a player like him. We've already talked about, you know, maybe there's some ego problems there. Um, I think if if a player is not even willing to take one to three three pointers per game and let's remember too that at one point that was publicly essentially mandated by his previous coach and he still didn't do it um if he's not even willing to do that for his team i don't think he's willing to take an all-out role change on a team that he already knows he pretty much has been given full reign to do whatever he wants train with whoever he wants um so, I, you know, I think there's an argument maybe that, yeah, they have a core. You just need to tweak the main pieces. Um, the main pieces, or at least that main piece, is not tweakable. I think you need to to figure something out with that. So uh, proof is in the pudding. Didn't get past the second round. Not a championship team. Yeah, Josh, you bring up some really good points. And to piggyback off of, you know, your Brett Bowen point, Honestly, I don't even blame Brett Brown for not getting past second round at this point because he's proven that it's not necessary. I mean, Brett Brown, great guy, not a terrible coach, NBA level coach. Um, but this core just isn't, it's not it. It's not, it wasn't Brown's fault. I mean, it, some parts were, but some parts weren't. No coach is perfect. But at the end of the day, you're not going to get past the second round with Ben Simmons and Joel B being your two best players. That's that's a proven fact because we've seen it multiple years with multiple head coaches, and that's that's where we're at. So no, I don't think they have a, a championship level core because I don't think Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are a cha- championship level duo. Honestly, I don't even see them as a top fifteen duo in the NBA right now, based off of this postseason. Uh, well, I think that's a bit much. I mean, they're still the number one seed. They're one of the last eight teams. Joel Embiid's a top five or eight, ten player. But fit means everything, Chris, and they just don't fit as cur- as they currently play together. They just don't fit because Ben and I, I'm I'm going to jump ahead to your ne- I'm going to touch on your next question, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it when you actually question it. Ben is holding that team back. He is holding that team back because he is unwilling to change, and that's why I don't think they're top fifteen do. Because if Ben's not willing to put in the work to be a better offensive player, then then they can't be a top fifteen duo. They're a top fifteen, well, you know, Lucas, top. They're 10. like they're barely Five. fifteen five hundred teams in the NBA. Like most, they aren't fifteen good teams, just broadly speaking. <laughs> let me let me ask you. This. Let me let me ask you this. Would you say Ben Simmons and Joel be our top fifteen duo on offense? Yeah, 
I, I disagree. Josh, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I don't well, have, like, a I, list I, of all I, the duos, but yeah. <laughs> I, see, I see both sides. I mean, uh, like, I think... I, I agree with Chris. They're probably a top 15 duo, especially when you consider their entire body of work, not just, you know, the last three or four games. Um, they had a, an incredible regular season when when there's a little bit more room in opposing defenses to really get going in transition. Um, ben is phenomenal in transition. Um, it, but there is something to be said about the fact that them combined really kind of destroys the value of the sum of those two parts. And I mean, you, you see things like this in like the business world all the time when, when companies acquire other companies, it, it actually like completely destroys the stock value of really both of the companies, unless it's a, a really incredible fit. And that's kind of what happens with those two. Um, you know, the sum of them is definitely much greater than the combination of them. Yeah, look, I, there's clearly like a problem. I, I've been vocal on the site and on the podcast that they need to look for trades. Like, I don't, I really don't think this can move forward like beyond the trade deadline in 2022. But um, they are, despite all the problems, arguably two of the five best defenders on the planet, and that counts for something. And generally speaking, offensively, there there are worse duos um statistically they're pretty dominant on both ends obviously there's a certain line in, in the playoffs a certain level of competition where it kind of crumbles unfortunately that line maybe it, you know is the hawks instead of the nets but i i mean top 15 is just not a very high bar which is what i'm getting hung up on but well, we, okay i will concede maybe maybe they're top 15 but not top 10 yeah, uh, okay. I mean, I, I think Embiid carries a lot of the water there. I mean, I think pretty much anyone with Embiid is probably MVP-level player. Of course he's going to carry more water than Ben. That's not really – but, you know, some of two parts is – like Josh said, them together is lesser than the sum of, like, their individual parts. They, they I, mean, don't... I mean, they had a, a – I, I just pulled it up. They had a 15.5 – net rating as a duo this year in the right not during the playoffs well no of course not but i mean a substantial amount of the season is is the regular season yeah well i'll, I'll put it this way like joe and tobias is probably a top 10 15 duo like, like just having joe there is is a pretty big boost to whoever it is if it's well, the, the very next Nick one on the leaderboard actually is seth curry and joel Embiid, 15.2 so there you go <laughs> there you go but my, I mean, but at the same point, I mean, is that really fair to say then? Because I mean, LeBron with anybody could like, LeBron with like Mo Williams was probably a top fifteen duo back when that was. <laughs> yeah. Let's just. Let's just say, yeah. Let's just say what what it is. But are were they really a top ten duo? I mean, Mo Williams, I love Mo, but come on now, like you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I, I get you. And um, we're we're gonna move on now and talk about Maury's overall performance in his first season as as general manager. Not general manager, as he made the mistake of saying. Technically, that's still Elton Brand. He's president of basketball operations. Um, shouts to Elton, whatever he's doing these days. Um, but 
Morissette, quote, it's my job to get the best players. We didn't have good enough players. Pretty blunt, pretty simple, pretty hard to argue with. Um, Lucas, do you think Maury did enough in his first season with Philadelphia to put them in, in position to compete? Well, I think he's an analytic guy. So he wanted to see what he had. And he didn't. He talked about this in the preseason, how he didn't want to use all the uh, bullets in his chamber right away, which I think was smart. I think we can all agree on that. Because he wanted to see what he had first and see what how far it could get. Um, now, we could talk about whether or not George Hill for Tony Bradley plus picks and you know, whatever filler, what was that, Vincent Poirier and Terrence Ferguson, if that was a smart move. I mean, I don't know because I love Tony Bradley, and I think that he would have done a better job than Dwight. But at the same time, you know, would Doc have played him, like you said in the last podcast, Chris? Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously the trade filler for George Hill makes a lot of sense for the team. Um, I mean, he he tried to get James Harden. I think the Rockets were just being petty on that regard. I think we can all agree on that. Because the Sixers clearly would have had the better package. Um, that being said, I mean, he you know, he inquired about Lowry. I think the Raptors, like I said earlier, were just trying to oversell him. So I I don't know if that was the right move not to overpay for him. I mean, ended up Sixers got bounced in the second round again. But, I mean, it's a hard call. But I, 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 I would say, yeah, I think he did enough because he didn't overdo it. Because the worst thing you can do is try to mess with something too much and then overcorrect is the term that I'm thinking of. When you're driving and you start skidding, try to overcorrect, and then you get into a worse, you know, pull out like accident versus just trying to little skip. So I, I don't think I think that's that's my take on that. Josh, my knee jerk reaction was going to be no. I mean he he lays it out pretty plainly, and I think it's pretty accurate to say you know didn't have the right players and that falls on him. Uh, but when you kind of contextualize what this role is and just the the sheer craziness that's gone on in Philadelphia over the years in terms of a lack of front office continuity, um, coming into that situation is not easy. And then figuring out how to make all those pieces work and make pieces that you didn't even acquire work together in a way that positions the team for a number one seed. Uh, that's pretty impressive. Uh, not that Maury could really be credited with, you know, the team getting the number one seed because a lot of those, the pieces that went into that were already there. Um, but I think like, like Lucas said, he, he's probably getting his lay of the land, seeing what he had here. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, a, a full off season for Maury in a, a second year, because I think that's really where we'll be able to see his true colors on this team. Um, I, I'm kind of 50, 50 on his job this season. I, I mean, you, you, I really think in retrospect should have gone pretty hard to get James Harden, whether or not the Rockets were being petty. I think they, you know, they owe it to themselves to accept a good deal if the Sixers have a good deal. So I don't know if I fully buy that part of it, but um, at the same time, you know, the Nets land James Harden and are bounced at the same time as the Sixers, obviously against a, a much more worthy opponent in the Milwaukee Bucks. But, um, you know, I don't know how much, getting Harden would have necessarily pushed the team further. And that's really the biggest thing that I point to as, you know, that's what Maury should have done. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree. Look, they, they went from the sixth seed and getting swept out of the first round, granted Ben was hurt that series, to being the one seed. Um, they had the third best record in basketball this season. That, that's not to be scoffed at. Clearly, they aren't as good as they want to be. They aren't where they, they aspire to be as, as far as contending for a championship is, is, but they're probably a lot closer than a lot of fans think they are right now. Um, I think once people calm down and, and kind of get past that, the shock of losing to the Hawks, there's a lot to reflect on and be proud of this season. Um, I mean, obviously, the two major moves that he made was acquiring Danny Green for Al Horford and acquiring Seth Curry for Josh Richardson, which were both just gigantic wins all around. Um, it's a lot harder to make trades in the NBA probably than we think it is. You know, it's easy to plug things into a trade machine, but there there are a lot of factors that go into different moves. Lucas, you said it, that before the season, Maury said he was going to be, you know, patient, analytical, see what he has before he kind of jumps the, the gun and makes anything, makes any drastic moves. I, I will stand behind the George Hill trade. He's probably going to be back next season. I, I think it was the right move. Even if he doesn't work out, it, it made sense on paper. Um, and look, they're, they're heading in the right direction, at least, even with all the Ben Simmons brouhaha, they're they're a good team, and they have the ability to be in the conversation in the East for several years to come, so long as Joel is healthy. Um, we'll see what he can do with Ben Simmons. I I think that's probably one of the tougher challenges he's had. It, being in charge of a team just in his career is what to do with Ben in this current situation. The fan base hates him. He just had one of the all-time breakdowns in a playoff series. But most people would also consider him a top 30 player, and he's a multi-time All-Star and Defensive Player of the Year candidate at 24 years old. So it's a tough thing to balance. A lot of people are going to be telling him to do things that probably aren't smart in the long run, and he'll need to, you know, stay away from that. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But, Josh, do you believe that Ben let's, – let's talk about Ben Simmons again. So we've mentioned his persona – in his work ethic, we've seen quotes to the effect of that Ben is going to, you know, okay, so we see the report that Ben is not going to be playing for the Australian national team, the Olympics. He is instead going to work on, quote, skill development. That came from Brian Windhorst at ESPN. We have seen reports that Ben is maybe going to switch shooting hands all of a sudden. Shout out to Kevin O'Connor, who's been asking for that since the beginning <laughs> of time. So Maury, just speaking in, in his conference, said, quote, I think that's a collective challenge with regards to Simmons at the free throw line and as a shooter. I think Doc did a good job of addressing that yesterday. They spoke a long time. The reality is everyone has to look at themselves and figure out how to improve. So we've already touched on this a bit, Josh, but do you really think that we're going to get any sort of change out of Ben next year? How do you think the approach can change for Philadelphia? What do you think they can do different to motivate Ben? What do you think Ben may be doing differently now that they've been bounced in the second round and all the eyes are on him? What, what, what's your read on that situation? I think, I, I mean, I, I really just hope they have the right people in his ear. Um, Doc is obviously not the the greatest strategic coach of all time. Um, has, with the Clippers and the Sixers, made some 
really perplexing playoff down the line rotational decisions. But I do think he's one of the greater motivational coaches in NBA history. Um, and in terms of his just reverence in the player community, him being a former player, him being, you know, just who he is and uh, really in some cases a spokesperson, even for tough situations for his teams. You think back to, you know, the Donald Sterling situation as well as last year with um, everything that happened while the teams were in the bubble and, and George Floyd, and then the uh, situation in Kenosha as well. Doc Rivers was obviously at the forefront of that. He's a player's coach. So I think having him there is a really good first thing. Uh, so to, to get this to work, I think that's the first step. And it's good to hear that that was happening. It sounds like on, you know, night zero of the off season um, needs to get in his ear and, and really make it known to Simmons that your career reputation is at stake. Uh, if you don't make some significant changes and make them quick and start taking, you know, this, this basketball growth thing seriously, um, you know, your career may be looked at, at at the end of it much differently than it could have been. Um, that's all nice to say. And those are great theoreticals on what I think they could do, but do I think they'll actually, he will actually work to improve? Uh, you know, I, I believe maybe he'll work to improve, but I don't know that I trust, uh, his motivation and his, I, I guess, you know, I, I hate to question this, but his humility, um, to, you know, accept that he's not performed up to expectations and to, to really put the work in and, and do it seriously, I guess. To quote Kendrick Perkins, because, you know, why not? Um, Ed Simmons, he is who we thought he was. He is on Kendrick Perkins's all time. He is who we think he is. So what, who is Ben Simmons? Ben Simmons is a dynamic playmaker, elite defender, all-round game except for one thing, the jump shot. At first, it was he was unwilling to take the jump shot. Now he has the mental yips, and he's not able to take the jump shot. So do I think that he will put in the work to improve? Yes. But do you do I think that he'll come in next season's shooting jumpers or shooting 75% from the free throw line? Probably not. What I suspect that we'll see from Ben Simmons is that we'll see more of a power forward type of you know, rim runner, screen setter, secondary plot playmaker, kind of like a Lamar Odom type of guy. You know, Lamar Odom, when he was at his best, he was, you know, playmaking with the Clippers, Lakers as a, what was he averaging? Like uh, 12, 10, like five. I, I think that's probably, I mean, maybe not, maybe a little bit more points. I think everybody would like that. But I mean, at the, you know, rate that we're going with Ben Simmons, I mean, Lamar Odom might be a more fair comp than Magic Johnson when it comes to, you know, stat line. I'm not saying, you know, obviously, you know, Benza can be a more dynamic playmaker, but you can't have him as your primary playmaker if he's going to be playing the way that he is. And I think they'll change his role to more of a power forward. I think that he'll be a secondary playmaker to either be Tyrese Maxey or if they bring in maybe like Kyle Lowry, Lonzo Ball, you have some pushing ball now, ball to Philly, let's go. Um, but I, I think 
that we will see work. And I think we will see development, but I don't think we'll see development outside of his comfort zone because mentally he's not able to get out of that. And until he goes sees sees a sports excuse me, until he sees a sports psychologist, I just don't see see that being the case that he improves in other areas and actually applies it on court. Yeah, look, I'm at this point with Ben. I'm pretty firmly in. And I'll believe it when I see it, state of mind. Um, I can talk about changing shooting hands, but at what point does that become something he can actually implement in the game and is comfortable doing in front of other people when we're watching? Um, you know, we, he, we've seen him take jumpers and warm-ups and scrimmages in all sorts of different contexts, and it's just never happened. So in, until we see, like, a consistent stretch of improved, diversified skill set from him i'm i'm pretty i'm going to remain pretty skeptical because he just hasn't given us reason to expect him to to grow in that department so that's where i'm at yeah and to be fair like yeah he's probably not shooting with the right right hand like the correct hand but his form wasn't looking terrible when he was missing all those free throws like i mean it wasn't perfect by any stretch but it wasn't off from his normal form that he was shooting within the regular season either where he was making close to 65% of his free throws so it's all mental for him but let's go ahead and we're going to wrap things up this is our last thing so we're going to do thumbs up or thumbs down guys and basically the idea is i'm going to introduce a topic and you guys are going to tell me whether or not it's a thumbs up or thumbs down Josh, you're going to go first each time, then Chris, and then I'm going to go, I'm going to finish it up here at the end. Okay, so we're going to start, we're going to start, Josh, thumbs up, thumbs down, Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum. Thumbs down. Chris? Yeah, I've gone back and forth on it for about a couple of days, frankly. Um, Thumbs down at this very second. It's a thumbs down for me, too. You need more in the Portland. Unless they get a third team involved, it just doesn't feel like it's enough. Um, thumbs up, thumbs down, guys. Fire Doc Rivers. Josh? Um, thumbs down. I value continuity. I don't think Doc Rivers is necessarily the, the best coach for this team. But <laughs> right now, I think seismic shifts to the the the, the guy at the front of the bench is, is not the move. Thumbs down. Uh, uh, I mean, I'd say thumbs up, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I, I knew you were going to say that, Chris. I'm going to say thumbs down. I don't think the I, I don't think the majority of the blame should be on Doc Rivers for this because he's not out there playing. He made adjustments throughout the series. All of them were the correct ones, but we saw major adjustments uh, from each game, and some of them worked, some of them didn't. But you know what? He was making adjustments. It wasn't like he was being stuck in all of his ways. I mean, the rotations were questionable, but other things he was doing was working. So I'm going to say thumbs down. Um, next one, thumbs up, thumbs down. Ben Simmons for DeJounte Murray plus pieces. This is an interesting one. <laughs> uh, for me, obviously – you know, what pieces is a big question there, but you know, let's just assume those are good pieces and uh, I'm going to go thumbs up. I I really like DeJounte. I think uh, he has a a little bit more of a diverse offensive game, although it's still pretty limited in some regards, but 
he's shown a lot of growth potential um, already has several years under his belt in that really strong San Antonio developmental system uh, and his defense is solid too. So I'll go thumbs up. Yeah. So this was kind of a personal flourish for me. Um, I, I posted a DeJounte trade on Twitter a couple of days ago after the, after the game. And since then we've seen DeJounte replying to tweets alluding at Ben Simmons to the Spurs. So I think we're heading in the right direction. Um, like you said, Josh, it would depend what the other pieces are. But it's certainly interesting, and I, I feel like, like I kind of manifested the conversation, so I'll say thumbs up for that reason. I, I, you know what? I'm going to jump on board. I like DeJounte Murray. If he can get consistent for, with that three-point shot, I you know, and he's already like an elite defender, um, solid playmaker. Like I said, if he can get that jump shot in order, I mean, it's and, and like you guys said, it depends on the pieces. You know, you'd have to have like multiple first round picks and a couple of young guys, maybe like Lonnie Walker, Kendall. John- I, I want uh, Kendall Johnson for sure, because I think he can he will be a great role player, maybe even an all star, depending on how he's developed. Um, you know, I think it's possible. I, I wouldn't. It, depending on the pieces, I wouldn't be too upset, but we'll have to wait and see. Next one, my personal favorite, Tyrus Maxey in the starting five next season. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs down for me. Um, oh. Nothing against Maxey. I think ideally they have a, a better point guard to start. And also, even if they don't, I think his energy off the bench is really important. So I'd like him as that, you know. Off the bench guy, thumbs down. Yeah, I agree. Thumbs down. Um, I mean, we may get to a point next season, depending on the degree to which he improves, where we say, hey, he has to start. But uh, as far as who should be in the opening night, starting five, I would be pretty unsettled if, if it was Maxi. <laughs> Ye of little faith. Thumbs up all the way check out my article listeners on the six or sense podcast uh, not the podcast we're on the podcast on the website okay guys next one thumbs up thumbs down re-sign danny green uh thumbs up sure i i can't really think of a excellent reason not to unless it's just a money thing yeah thumbs up um 100 yeah, thumbs up. And Chris, you brought it up last podcast. They can re-sign him to the same deal for two years because of his early bird rights. Um, that's a great trade piece. Him and George Hill could get you a near max player if you attach, you know, picks to it. So, yeah, that I would be interested in that. Speaking of George Hill, pick up his team option. Thumbs up, th- thumbs down, guys. Yeah, thumbs up. I think. Um... You know, kind of what you just said, he, he gives you a lot of flexibility in that team option with, you know, in terms of trade pieces, matching salaries, stuff like that. Um, and probably getting some footing under him, he can probably be a, a serviceable player for the team if it comes to that, too. Yeah, I, I'm thumbs up. I'm a pretty firm believer in Hill. Um, even when the offense was pretty rough in the postseason, he was still a good defender um, and like $10 million on an expiring deal can be really useful in the trade market, as we said. So I say, keep them around. Yeah. Just for the trade value. I, I, I mean, he's getting pretty old. I mean, I remember when he was drafted and what was it? Oh, eight. Um, it's been a while. I was in high school, beginning high school. 
Um, and he, um, you know, he hasn't always performed great in the playoffs, but trade piece wise, great idea. And to be fair to Hill, he was coming off a wrist injury, which he had said prior to the playoffs still wasn't right. So, you know, maybe that was part of the issue. But um, last ones, because we already talked about Danny Green and George Hill being potential trade pieces. Kyle Lowry, sign and trade. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, I, I could see a world where this would maybe be favorable, but I think I'd go thumbs down. Um, okay. I, I feel like... I mean, unless you can also maybe find a way to unload Simmons and get some other pieces in there, um, or if it's like financially much better to do a sign and trade, which it very well might be for for contracts that large. I just think a lot of times the the team getting a player very rarely walks away with an excellent deal. Um, you know, Miami having to give up Josh for for Jimmy Butler, um, obviously he has not really panned out all that well, but he's pretty good in Miami, and I think they'd rather have kept him and also gotten Jimmy Butler if possible. I mean, Kyle Lowry once. Oh, sorry, Chris. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I mean, I, I think it would obviously depend on the framework of the deal. You'd probably have to give up, like, George Hill and Seth Curry, who was really good in the postseason, as we, we've said on this podcast, and, um, you know, if you're comfortable giving up that kind of money and that kind of talent, if it's Curry, then I, I'd say yes. Um, but I, I agree with Josh. That probably can't be the only move. Um, I think they should hopefully try to swing even bigger, you know, go for the fences at this point. But uh, I'll say a tentative thumbs up. I'll say thumbs up, and I'll say probably what they can get Cat Lowry on, Green Hill their first round pick this year and maybe a guy like, I mean, I'm willing to part ways with if you guys are, um, you know, I think that's more than fair for a guy that could walk for nothing, but you know, I think that, I think that concludes us for there. And actually I believe that concludes us for uh podcast. So if you want to play us out that I think that would be great. Yeah. Um, Josh, former, Site expert at the com, one of pretty much the Michael Jordan of the website, really. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> In thanks fact, for coming, yeah, thanks for coming on the pod, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, guys. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah you we'll can't wait to come back on. Yeah, we'll have to get you back on at some point. We're gonna we're gonna keep bothering you until it happens. Yeah, <laughs> but, absolutely. Uh, you guys can all follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Wilson FS. He is again the editorial director of the NBA division at Fansided. So go read all the Fansided NBA content, not just at our site at the com, but we have a site for all 30 teams. It's all great stuff. A lot of people putting in hard work to to bring content and to really, you know, just just cover these teams and, and provide a fan oriented perspective so we recommend that you guys go check out all the fans i did sites if you have the the opportunity to to all our listeners as always thank you for tuning in leave us a review a rating if you can let us know what you like let us know what we can do better let us know what you want us to talk about 
we'll certainly take it into account. And yeah, 100 episodes. That's a pretty big deal. We really appreciate you guys for coming along on this journey with us. And we will be back with more content this offseason to discuss what the heck is going to happen with this team. So thanks, everyone. <laughs>